Hi there. Hey, Gary. Welcome to the Handy Essential for Hand Nurses podcast series. My name's Kay. I'm the Hand CNC at Sydney Hospital, and I'm joined today by... Nav. Hi. Um, so today, our third episode, we're going to talk to you about wound management. There's lots of um, facets to wound management, and we're going to try and break it down simply. Um, so first of all, when you're dealing with wound management, the first thing we've got to do is assess the wound. This incorporates looking at um, how the wound occurred, um, the history behind that, and when you're actually looking at the wound itself, we want to know the location, we want to know the colour or the stage, and we want to know how long the wound has been present, and um, and those together will help you form a, a management plan um, equal to either prior to surgery or conservative management or following surgery. So um, from a colour point of view, we kind of tend to think about five colours, um, pink, red um, being the good colours, pink being um, epithelial tissue, red being granulation tissue, and then we get the not so good colours, um, a yellowy, fluffy colour, which isn't always bad, um, but we've got to manage that. Green is obviously infected wounds, and then black, which is dry, eschar, necrotic, um, not going to survive wounds. So that's the colours of the tissue that you might find within the, within the wound itself. Um, I think a really important aspect of wound assessment that gets overlooked a lot is looking at the dressing that you've removed prior, um, instead of just putting it straight into the bin, just actually having a look at it and spending some time analysing. This isn't a great deal of time, but looking at um, the amount of exudate that's on that dressing, it, did it um, hold all the exudate that the patient was experiencing? Was there excess exudate that was coming out from the from the dressing? Was it dry? Have we got a, a, a product on that's inappropriate? Looking at that dressing can tell you a lot about what's been going on. Um, so I think that's something that's like really overlooked. So another aspect that we need to consider when we're looking at wound management is focusing on the hand. We need to know what structures are involved. Um, so pre-surgery, this isn't so much of as a, um, a big deal really because the patient's obviously going to go to surgery and have structures repaired, but it's really important post-operatively. Um, it can't be overemphasized. Um, so really knowing what, what has been damaged and what is, has been repaired is really key because that's going to um, really guide your positioning, guide your management and guide what you can do to the patient. So for instance, tendon repairs, nerve repairs, you're not going to be wanting to move digits. They're going to be in a protected position, um, in the position that's in from theatre, so either um, in a flex position or slightly extended position and you don't want to deviate from that. So. It, and that can cause some difficulties and some challenges to actually provide wound management um, to get in between digits if they're if the um, suture lines or if the skin loss that's challenging to get to. 
Um, and it's really important to maintain that positioning because we don't want to cause any damage to those repaired structures during the dressing change. Just on that topic, hey, I find that often if they come with a plaster or a splint, just having it there, don't throw away the plaster because uh, often you can still keep the hand in the plaster in a protected position and just work around the plaster being there and it helps just protect it while you're putting on a new dressing. Absolutely, and I think that kind of goes back to also after you've finished and if the patient is going to have further therapy or new splints to put that old one back on so that you're reinforcing the need to protect um, the position of the of the limb. Yep. Um, so simple dressings is is a real key and that doesn't when I say simple dressings um, I mean simple low profile I don't mean simple as in just a band-aid um, a, a dressing that's going to be appropriate for the wound and the wound needs and have the functionality to manage the wound needs um, but also be not too bulky um, when you're doing wound assessment management say on a leg you've got a pretty much a flat surface with no movable um, areas if you're just looking at a straight um, lower leg it's easy to um, become complacent to put wound to put products on that area because you're not going to do any real damage it may not be appropriate but um the products aren't going to cause any real damage or um, constriction for for movement however on your hand on fingers palms um wrists you need to be mindful of the the bulkiness of the dressing and not cause um overly bulky um, bandaging and dressings which is going to restrict movement so it's going to be able to be restrictive of exercises that the patient has to do from a therapy point of view um, so you really low profile simple dressings that do the job um, I think that's kind of one of the um, real key areas we need to be able to fit appropriately within the splints the splints can't be made um, so they don't fit appropriately because they're going over the bulky bandages and bulky dressings. We need to be able to, they need to be able to fit appropriately for the hand and the limb and the position that's required with the dressing on. So sometimes we, we may have to just re-look at um, dressings. And that is a little bit of an art as well to um, keep things quite minimal. Um, so in, in looking at all of that wound assessment and management, there's some key considerations to, to think about. Pre-surgery, when you're actually applying dressings, like I said before, it's, you're not going to do really too much damage because the structures have already been damaged. It's just um, patient comfort. And you don't want to be spending the time if you've got uh, multiple fingers that are injured. You don't want to be too concerned about wrapping each individual digit separately pre-surgery um, because the patient's going to be in pain and you're going to cause even more pain to try and do that dressing. Um, so it's okay to, if you've got multiple fingers, to dress them all together with some protection in between each digit, say some gauze in between. But post-operatively it's really important to dress digits separately and to not have them all together. So that's a key change. Um, and obviously post-surgery, we need to consider, like I said before, what has been repaired and what has been damaged. Other considerations that we need to know is the duration. So um, how long the wound's been in place, 
how long recovery are we down the track and also how long is the dressing plan to stay on for the um in, into the future is the patient going to be managed as an inpatient or an outpatient when is the next review scheduled for where is the location of the 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 patient's wound on the digits and where they are located um, from a home point of view are they close to a, the hospital where they're receiving treatment or are they a long way away if they're several hours away um, and unable to quickly come back to the hospital we need to have a plan for them because um, they probably won't be coming back as often um, just because of the travel um, aspects compliance is um, just to take into consideration is the patient going to be compliant or have they been compliant with the dressings because we may want um, a particular product that is the optimal product for the wound however because of maybe because some compliance um, issues the patient may have to go back to work which we, we we don't suggest they do but they may have to from a financial responsibility point of view so that nothing's going to stop them doing that so we just need to maybe look at how we do things differently um, but we're still providing the best care we can within those compromises um, thinking about pain is another aspect that is important and we obviously don't want to cause additional pain but um, we don't want the dressing to cause any discomfort or pain uh, what is the age of the patient and that kind of comes into um, another aspect of healing inhibitors so as we get older we know that the skin is our largest organ and like any other organ in the body the like the heart and the lungs it begins to fail so as we get older the skin also begins to fail it's not as it doesn't heal as quickly as it does when we're younger um, and that goes into the other hidden inhibitors is the patient a smoker are they on particular medications that could um, really delay the healing um, so these are all different thoughts and um, that we need to take into consideration is the person employed are they um, are they retired what are they going to be doing what are their activities that they need to consider so they're all things that we need to consider before we actually apply dressings um, and I guess like when the patient is coming back into your clinic or um, on the ward knowing when to escalate problems knowing when if you're seeing a patient and the wound isn't healing as per the the normal trajectory of the the healing if there's some delays that um, we're unsure why there's some delays in the healing that's an opportunity to speak to our medical colleagues and and to kind of touch base and have we got the right etiology of the wound um, and we've been treating something that we think is a simple abscess maybe but it's actually some form of tumor that we we it's been misdiagnosed um, and, we, and we don't know so it's just being aware of when things aren't healing appropriately and when to escalate um to our colleagues um do you have anything to add there um nav on wound management from a what no, are you thinking of when from a doctor that's a really good overview um for from my point of view um my basic philosophy is just really simple for a dry wound, um, a wet dressing and for a wet wound, a dry dressing, um, just a very basic principle I try and apply. Wound healing takes usually around 10 to 14 days. And so really after that 10 to 14 day mark, I wouldn't expect them to need a dressing. Um, but obviously there's a heap of factors which influence that. Um, 
Uh, but all, all the factors that you mentioned, I think, are important to consider in wound assessment and management. Obviously, there's a large component of this um, podcast that we haven't got time to cover today, and that's all the different dressing types. And uh, I get asked a, an awful lot, um, what would you put on this type of wound? Um, like, give me a, a almost a one-stop shop, give me an answer, and I, I've got this wound in front of me, I can put this dressing on it. And you can't, it's really hard to do that. There's no formulary. You have to take in all the considerations we've discussed before you can come up with your product. I think simple healed or healing suture lines is probably an easy um, point of view. We've got um, a few surgeons working here with us at Sydney Hospital. Each one has a slightly different take, um, but we're kind of moving more towards just simple micropore, just over the suture line. Um, nothing fancy, um, the patient can get on with their life, but just a simple micropore, if it's all clean, dry, um, and, and you ranging from that up into some really complex um, dressings. So we can't cover all that today. Um, maybe we'll look at that in, a, in another um, podcast down the track. So something else we wanted to, to touch on today, and I think this, um, as a nurse, I get really confused with sutures. And when I read the operation report and I read various sutures and are they dissolvable, are they not? How do you, how do you know? So Nav, can you help us with yeah. that? So the common types of sutures you'll encounter at the skin level uh, would frequently be monocryl, uh, vicarapide, nylon, and proline. They're the, probably the four most common in the hand. Um, they can be used as interrupted sutures or they can be used as a continuous suture. Uh, so interrupted sutures would be individual sutures which often do need to be removed um, and they can be simple interrupted or uh, either a horizontal or vertical mattress type interrupted suture um, or they can be one continuous suture and usually that's an absorbable suture that doesn't need to be removed. Um, most wounds in the hand would have uh, interrupted sutures especially in the palmar surface. On the dorsal surface often you can use uh, a continuous suture. Um, with traumatic wounds especially often we use interrupted sutures because uh, it allows us to uh, put sutures uh, spaced apart um, in case one uh, the wound gaps a little bit um, or in case there's a concern for infection for the wound. Um, whereas a continuous suture often it is uh, in very much an elective type setting where the wound is already sort of fairly controlled, it's clean, it's dry, and there's no concern for swelling or infection um, developing postoperatively. And so interrupted sutures are the mainstay of trauma, whereas continuous sutures are mostly in the elective setting. Um, the type of interrupted suture, whether it's a simple interrupted or a mattress interrupted, develop, uh, depends on the type of wound. Um, can, uh, simple interrupteds are easier to take out and probably, again, the mainstay of interrupted sutures, but we use mattress sutures when there's a concern for inversion of the wound. Um, wounds heal with eversion. And so a mattress suture helps evert the wound a little better, um, but it is harder to take out. And so um, we, we use it sparingly. Um, and so in terms of absorbable versus non-absorbable, uh, again, it depends on the, the type of wound and the setting um, that uh, the wound is exposed to. So mostly in traumatic wounds, it would be uh, non-absorbable sutures. And these are 
the nylons and the prolines. Um, and again, that would be to minimize the risk of infection developing and allow for swelling of the wound. Um, and so when you, you see nylon or proline in an operation report, these are non-absorbable sutures, uh, often interrupted, um, that do need to be taken out. There, there's another type of suture, the viperapide, which is an absorbable suture, uh, often also used in an interrupted manner. Um, and viperapide is unique because it doesn't actually, uh, it doesn't uh, just go away by itself, but it absorbs through inflammation of the body. And so after about 15 to 20 days, it weakens to a level where if you just scrub your hands or wash your hands vigorously, it'll just break away uh, in that scrub. And so viperapide is sort of in between. It's not absorbable, it's not non-absorbable, but it's sort of in between where it does slowly, uh, or quite rapidly, sorry, uh, break down and just wash away um, with vigorous uh, hand washing. And then there's uh, the, the purely absorbable ones, uh, and monocryl is the most common example of that, uh, which is usually used in a continuous setting um, and doesn't necessarily need to be taken out. Sometimes you'll have tails on the skin um, and the tails need to be trimmed, but the long suture in the middle of the wound itself uh, will just uh, resolve by the body. And so they're, they're the uh, common different types, um, the two groups being interrupted and continuous and absorbable and non-absorbable. Um, and the common sutures you'll come across are the monocryls, uh, which are usually uh, absorbable and continuous, the viperapides, which are absorbable and interrupted, and then the nylon proline, which are non-absorbable and interrupted. So just that's great thanks nav just for us is there a rough time frame when you would want to remove the removable sutures yeah so hands heal a little quicker than other parts of the body um so with hand sutures my rough guideline is 10 to 14 days mm. um with wounds that are slower to heal so in your diabetic patients smoker smokers um, with wounds that you are a little concerned about for whatever reason there's no harm in leaving them longer so three weeks mm. um, in the wounds that are very quick to heal um, for example for a carpal tunnel wound happy to take them out a little quicker um, often at, at, at a one week mark um, but the rough guideline is somewhere in between which is 10 to 14 days perfect thank you so um, just to to wrap up and to recap um, wound assessment and management is is not easy sometimes um, there's lots of challenges we need to know they um, do a thorough wound assessment, so we need to know structures that have been involved, structures that have been repaired before we even touch the, the patient. We need to know what the wound is looking like, so looking at the, doing a thorough wound assessment, including looking at the, the colour, the stage, the location, and the duration of the, of the wound, and what the dressing was on beforehand, and, and what, how that looked. We need to think about the simple dressings, we need to make sure that we can still do therapy, um, that the patient is able to do that if they're actually doing therapy, um, and think about all those patient factors um, that we spoke about prior, and, and knowing when to escalate when we have problems, and don't be afraid to escalate. Um, it's always good to check things out if things aren't healing um, as they should be, or if there's any delays. Um, so thanks a lot, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.